This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have, great to have so many people here. It's just, it's kind of fun, like looking at, uh, looking at the way church goes. Like in grocery stores, they know you're always going to go to your right. And so it's interesting, like 90% of the congregation is over here. And then there's like 10% over here. So funny to see how we all do that, even in church. So great to have you folks here today. And today what we're looking at is we're looking at the concept of interruption. Like the, the Christmas story can be read a bunch of ways, a, a lot of ways that really move our hearts deeply. And it's also supposed to interrupt our lives. We're supposed to think of our lives going this way, and then how do we struggle with those interruptions? A big question. The Bible, New Church Perspective, is not just a history story where we like look at event after event. It's a story of how we actually struggle spiritually in our lives. And it's a good struggle. Challenging struggle and a good struggle. One filled with many, many interruptions, a lot of which kind of bring us to these big surprises in our lives. So to kind of set the tone for that, so we can see how interruptions work, just in the very here and now, before we launch into the Christmas story, it's my privilege to welcome Laurel Morgan, who's going to be talking briefly about her experience with an interruption she had when she went to serve in Ghana. And then her dear friends are going to be joining us in song as we do our second song here. So with that, I give you Laura Morgan. Please welcome her warmly. Good morning, guys. I'm Laurel, um, and I'm here today to tell you about a time that my life was interrupted, but in a pretty incredible way. This past summer, I had the opportunity to go um, to Ghana on a public health service team. And in the days leading up to my trip, I was excited, but I tried... (laughs) I tried not to have any expectations. (sighs) 10 days into my summer vacation, I headed to the Portland International Airport, and I tried not to imagine the way anything would be in Ghana. I had seen pictures of friends that had gone in the past, and I wasn't sure what was gonna happen. In Ghana, where we were meant to be working, it was a rural farming town. People lived in crowded brick houses, and water came from plastic bags or deep muddy wells. Babies slept on woven mats with flies buzzing around. But what I didn't understand is that there's nothing poor about the way Ghanaian people lived. Monetarily, yes, and maybe in terms of material wealth, but is that really how we measure our happiness? I should hope not. Now, let me ask you something. What are some of your favorite things to do? What is something maybe you look forward to that you don't get to do all the time? Just think about that, and I'll tell you about the service part of our trip. We were focused on building composting toilets. Now, last time I checked, the bathroom nearest to us was right out those doors and to the right. But the fact of the matter is, most of Ghana's population does not have a place to do their business, let alone any sanitary system. The organization Dream Big Ghana uses volunteer labors, (coughs) excuse me, Volunteer labor and supplies to build these composting toilets, which can be used by many families all around and will help to increase sanitation and decrease disease due to lack thereof. So the way you build these is you start with sand, cement, and water. You build a base, which is about yay high, and it has two chambers. After the base, you put in a floor, and when the floor dries, the walls go up. And the way this works is somebody will go in, do their business in one side, 
and then throw in a scoop of sawdust. When one side is full, then you move to the next, and by the time the next side is full, the first side is done composting and will just turn into dirt. Sorry. Are you still thinking about your favorite thing? <laughs> now just hold on to that for one more second and I'll tell you a story. During the afternoons, my team spent a lot of time at a local elementary school, preschool, orphanage, kind of all wrapped into one. Now, in one of the first days, we split up into smaller groups and tried to get to know each other. As part of a name game, we all stood in a circle, and the goal was to say your name, the name of the two people in front of you, and your favorite thing to do. Now, I said my name is Laurel, and people can call me Lou, and my favorite thing to do is ride my horse. As we run around the circle, we learned the kids' names, and that most of their favorite activities was to play soccer. But there was one thing that really stood out to me. One of this kid's favorite things to do was eat rice. Now, imagine if something you looked forward to was the opportunity to eat rice. While this did blow me away that this is an exciting thing, I also came to understand that this difference is not bad. Something I've learned is that people tend to objectify the developing world. In these villages, people eat different foods, they wear different clothes, and they live in different villages, or in different houses. But if a teen boy can find joy in eating rice, then imagine all the things you can find joy in. People that live less affluent lives that are own are not poor. Excitement is excitement no matter what for. And if you can look at the little things in your life, the human emotions of love, excitement, joy, and wonder, those are boundless. Being in Ghana opened my eyes to the simplicity of happiness in the humans. I traveled 35 hours to what seemed like a different planet, and I learned that you can use sand, cement, and water to make pretty much anything. But more than anything, I learned that joy exists in different languages. The people of Ghana were not only a welcome interruption to my life, but also to my perspective. And what I took home in my heart and hope to leave in yours is that people, no matter what circumstances they're in, however difficult, are meant to exist happily and will find a way to do so. Great job. So thank you very much, Laura. And that idea of like interruption, right? And, and how do we embrace that in our lives? You can go to one place to think X is what's going to happen and inevitably Y, Y comes out. Something totally different that we didn't imagine. And that's true for all of us in our lives. And what we have to do is we have to sense those interruptions and learn to rise up. Learn to rise up in that moment. You know, that's what I want to be talking about. Like, the Christmas story as a set of interruptions that we can wake up to and allow in our hearts something to stir, something to rise up. Now, I'm going to start this way. I'm going to be coming out there in the audience. So what I'm doing is I'm very, very grateful. Michael has, has volunteered to go first. Yes, you have. Lucky you. And, and so what I'm going to do is, is Michael's, he's got the simple one. He's just going to say graduate high school. And then I'm going to take the mic, I'm going to pass it to the next person, and then you're just going to play out life. Like, what was life supposed to be? I was supposed to graduate high school, then I was supposed to blah, 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 and we'll pass it around until we get to retirement. All right? So here we go. Mike, you ready?
I need to say, watching Marcus do that, he reminds me of (laughs) Spider-Man. Graduate high school. Excellent. So after graduating high school, what was supposed to happen? Have an amazing career. Amazing career. And maybe to get ready for that career? College. College. Go to college. And then after graduating college, this amazing career, we're supposed to? Uh, Meet someone. Meet someone. He's sitting beside his wife, so he... (laughs) And then after you met someone, you guys know this all too well... Got married. Got married, and then after getting married, you were supposed to? Have a child. Have a child, and they have a beautiful child. So you're supposed to get married, have a child, da-da-da. What's supposed to come next? Raise the children. Raise the children. Raise your children well. So raise the child, and then after raising the child? Live happily ever after. (laughs) Live happily ever after. I think we'll just stop there. Give everybody a round of applause. was supposed to be it, right? Like, supposed to be happily ever after. All right. We're all going to raise our hands here at the count of three. For how many of us was that journey uninterrupted? Please raise your hand. For how many of us was the journey interrupted? How many of us more than once? (laughs) Twice, three times, like all the time, right? That's the way this goes. So that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about those interruptions, and I want you to hear this story today through that lens. It's a story of people who are going through, I made a little cue card today, who are going through a series of interruptions. And I want you to look and think about how they handled it and think about like, well, where would you be in this story? What does this have to do with your life? And I think it has a lot to do with your life. This is from Matthew 2. I'm going to read you the story and then I want to talk about it a little bit. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Little interruption there, little interruption. Child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, in other words, he was law-abiding, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. I know we have some first-time attendees here. I like to preach this all the time. Number one command in the whole Bible are the three words, please say it together, are the three words, four words, do not be afraid or fear not. To take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from the sins. All this took place that the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will give birth to a child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We're going to talk about that too. When Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful story there, folks. And I want to talk sort of about what, what this all means and, and sort of thinking of the plan, right? And it's, it's probably very similar to the plan that we just, we just went out. You had, please say this, folks, we had, we had plan A. So, so put yourself in the perspective here just for a minute, and we could look at it, Mary, we're looking at it mostly at the beginning from Joseph's perspective. Put yourself in the perspective of Joseph. Now, it's interesting with Joseph in the Bible, he has, like, if it was a play, he's the one who has no lines, 
If you're an elementary school teacher at a Catholic or a Christian school, you give that role to the really shy kid who can just stand there and look. There's no lines, but actions. But actions. Actions that in many ways speak far louder than words. Now, Now, Joseph would have been just like any of you, male or female. He was thinking, yep, time to get married. Time to get married. And then he had proposed, she had said, yes, best day of my life. He had a career ahead of him. Some of you probably know this historically. What was Joseph's career? Somebody could just shout it out. He's a carpenter. He was a carpenter. They lived in a town of Nazareth. No doubt he said, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to get married. I I found this woman that I love to pieces. I know what career I'm going to be. I got my hometown and my hometown boys. That's Nazareth. And then he started thinking about having a family, a beautiful family. No doubt he pictured that. Like, we all remember that, right? You know, we're young, we're picturing a family, or, or we're picturing, if we're not planning on having kids, we're picturing all the, all the kids we can kind of take care of, an extended family, all part of our imagination at that time. And then very importantly, and this is where I kind of think we kind of get lost, because we, we hear this story with Western ears, we would have been already thinking of the name of our child. If you were the male, it was a very patrilineal, very patrilineal, pa, father, patrilineal society at that time. So it would have been this thought like, yeah, we're going to have to name this son, and I'm going to name him after grandpa. You know, it was very traditional to name it after a male relative. This story, (laughs) this story in terms of plan A is a huge Huge interruption. Everything shifts completely with that. Everything shifts completely. Now, folks, I'm going to step over here for a minute, and I just, I have a really bad prop, but you have to pretend it's a really good prop, but just, you know, just look at it and just go, that's Chuck. So the prop is this. I know that doesn't look like much. I apologize. You think of this as the scandal. Like somebody, a lot of us, right? Like, like we know all of a sudden we get really interested in math when we start looking at somebody getting married and we know they're pregnant. And, right, we all start to figure out how to count to nine. And, and, and you think of the scandal that this guy was looking at, like this dark cloud. And, and I was thinking putting post-it notes up, but they won't stick. But, you know, all these post-it notes, all the worries, the concerns, the fears, all the this, all the that. He would have been able to fill up this whole thing with a scandal. With a scandal. And he would have been right. Because it was and it is. A scandal. It's not like Mary and Joseph were this, were this wonderful family and, and the Holy Spirit dropped off a baby in a bassinet and said, here would you adopt my son? Not like that. There's scandal riven through this that we would have lost track of, that we lose track of here sitting in 2016. So he looks at this scandal and he's a good man. And he's thinking, well, wow, how do I handle this, this black cloud? So that's where he comes up. I'm going to step back up over here. That's where if we read this story, he comes up, please say it with plan B. 
So what he decides, plan B, I'm just going to have a, I'm going to have a quiet divorce. And at that time, again, very patrilineal society, all that took was him writing a letter. And as soon as he wrote a letter, he was divorced. He was, he was out of his obligations. But here's the part to think about, folks. Where would that have left Mary? Think about that. At that time, a woman that had been part of that kind of scandal, it would have left her destitute, a single parent, would she even been able to, to have gone home again to her parents' home? You know, we don't know that part of the story. Maybe, maybe not. The only thing, please listen carefully here, folks. The only thing he would have left there with is his honor intact. That's it. Everybody would have gone, you did the right thing. That was good for you. That was good for you. So he had plan A. He had plan B, and then what happens? Plan C. Our plan, our plan, God's plan. We say that together? Our plan, our plan, God's plan. A, B, C. It's it's interesting watching the way plans work, right? Like this morning, I'm down getting coffee at Wawa, and there were two guys that just pulled in with this like 1990 big camper, all decked out with eagles wear. And then they lift the hood, and all of a sudden, steam starts spraying everywhere. And the funny part was watching every other Eagles fan in there, like a bunch of guys are gathered around to look at this car steaming, no doubt going, I think you have a radiator problem. You know, that idea, like they had plan A, plan B. What does plan C look like? Well, oftentimes it's when we reach the end of our plans. This is where we get an interruption. Where they start to understand and hear from the angel in this dream that he's going to get married and he gets given the name of the infant. That's big. I'm going to talk about that a lot when we get back after the second song. But that name of the infant gets given the, given the name. So all his plans, folks, all that plan A, no pun intended, gets chucked out. Done. He has a beautiful plan B. Makes perfect logical sense. In a court of law, he would win. That gets removed. And what he's left with is plan C. Now, can we really kind of shake our shoulders and get into a moment here? Because I really want you to, I want you to hear my words, but I more want you to feel my words in terms of what I'm about to say. So just get in that place for a minute. Interesting, after he has his dream, that he comes to talk to Mary. Think of that moment. Now, one of the things with this story, again, as a pastor, it's, it's advantageous. We step back into it every year, and, and the story continues to unfold more and more and more and more. Mary had already been visited by an angel who told her that all this was going to happen. The angel never said, listen carefully, the angel never said, and Joseph's going to stick with you. Joseph's going to... He's a good guy. He's going to stick with you. She would have fully expected that. 
Hopefully that puts, Mary isn't already up in, up in your pantheon. You know, Mary is, Mary is an incredibly courageous individual in the Bible. Because she knew all that this entailed. Please listen carefully to this. Imagine Joseph coming in. He's no doubt already told her, like, this is, this is crazy. You know, like, I think I'm just going to leave. An angel visits him. He comes back in, and imagine the way he would come into that room. <laughs> Excited, maybe, nervous, scared, probably teary. He tells her the story. And then they share this most intimate of things that we all share. And I picture Mary as he's describing the angel. I picture Mary saying these words, me too. Me too. I saw that same angel. I felt that same thing. Can we say me too together? Me too. Wow. As the band comes out for this middle song, Think about what they both started to know at that moment. Think about what Mary knew at that moment. Think about the shift and the, and, and the change and, and the huge relief. Like Mary, I just picture her bursting into tears because she has a partner. Life interrupted, yes. But this beautiful, incredible statement that love wins. This beautiful, incredible marriage now forming. That simple acknowledgement. Me too. What a beautiful, beautiful song that is. And, and it, it, you know, that idea, like, Mary, did you know? And, and, and it says, he says, beautiful lines in the Bible where it says, Mary, a lot of the time, pondered these things in her heart. In other words, like, like pulled them in. And you, you think about that. The tenderness of that, right? Again, like, don't leave the moment of the tenderness when Mary realized Joseph wasn't leaving. Beautiful moment. Beautiful moment of love and, and, and care and, and connection. Uh, yeah, just, just sort of breathtaking in a lot of ways. And, and it's because they shared that same experience, that, that, that angel piece. And the message, you know, the incredible message. Now, some of the parts of the Bible, you know, I always love studying it because it's, it, as I've said before in here, you, you really, you don't read it as a, as a perfect, like, this is how to live life perfectly. It's like, this is how you struggle. <laughs> this is what struggle is going to look like. So parts of that struggle actually make a lot of sense. Like, like uh, you know, we can, we can see ourselves in the struggle and then there's parts of it where we just have to smile. I want to come back to that name part here. I want to come back to that name part. The name part is this. Like in this story, Jesus is given the name Jesus by the angel. Also the name, see if you remember what it was. Somebody can shout it out. It was also said, you were also to call him Emmanuel. Look at what the word Emmanuel means again. Oh, sorry, next one. Oh, what were you to call? Sorry, 
my bad. What were they to call this little interruption? Emmanuel, please say the three words. Emmanuel, which means? God with us. I take a picture of that, by the way. God with us. Just imagine the next time you're interrupted going, God with us. Really? Next time you're interrupted, imagine saying, God with us. Now, those interruptions can be very difficult, very painful, very hard, very challenging, very dark. And while God does not give us that darkness, God, God gives us the light to go through it, God with us. And sometimes we have these interruptions that, that move forward in beautiful, incredible ways. Where we feel the joy of the season, where we feel something coming alive, and we have to understand again, an interruption, this time with a smile, and at the same time, there again, God with us. I mean, I thought, like, could you just keep that for a prayer for a week? Interruption, God with us. So we know that the baby does indeed arrive. We know that again, this couple understands the meaning of interruption in a very different way yet again. Seeing this interruption and seeing that child, I mean, it's just like seeing the, the picture of, 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 of the Heinz baby, and it's like this beautiful baby, and you can just imagine him staring into the face of that baby and just really getting God with us. Is that me? That idea of God with us. Incredibly powerful. Now, the story here, folks, you know, if I was to pull, you know, I think what the different parts are, take a look at this. We have, say the P word there, we have, God has, God's dreams will interrupt our plans. We have plans, God has dreams, and we will constantly see again and again interruptions where those dreams interrupt our laid out plans. We have to see what the meaning of that is. Like, okay, so if we have interruptions and we're going to look at Christmas that way, what are those interruptions? What does it actually mean? Well, first off, we have to see that it's not always welcome. You know, many of us just today are, are, are learning to experience an interruption that, that wasn't welcome. It wasn't something that we wanted. It's rarely foreseeable. Like you think as we went through this path, right, and we were passing around the microphone, most of us didn't foresee the next thing that was coming down the pike. We just didn't see it. So the interruptions are oftentimes not foreseeable. Sometimes are, but mostly not. It will challenge our, please say the R word there, will challenge our, it'll challenge our roles. It'll challenge how we thought life was supposed to go. It will challenge plan A. It will challenge plan B and leave us with God's plan, which is plan C. And it will draw us closer to the real dream God has for us. One interruption at a time. See, I, th I think what, what, what God is chipping away at, what this story is chipping away at, when you read it from the perspective of Joseph and Mary, is you see the idea of persona. That idea of our persona being challenged and changed. Folks, look at the, look at the Latin at the bottom there. Look at the bottom. Early 20th century Latin. Literally, say the M word there, literally, mask. Character played by an actor. 
Don't we do that sometimes? You know, we're, we're playing a role. We have a persona out there just like Joseph did, just like Mary did. And that comes along with our own plans. And then here is God in incredible tenderness, challenging all of that with God's dreams that arrive as an infant. Mm, I can't say, it's so powerful. The dreams that arrive as an infant. The power, the grace there is truly amazing. And, and maybe this is something we can think about. You know, this next slide, this, this holiday season. And I, I think there's some real truth to this. The degree to which we love ties itself closely to our willingness to be interrupted. You know, those of you, I'm sure most of you here are aware, you know, Angela Cooper, who, who does so much for New Church Live, her and Josh were blessed with a baby, Jasper. Now, Jasper probably wakes up at two in the morning. We'll say at least for the first week. Would a new mom see that as an interruption? Yes or no? No. No. Two years from now, yes. You see, the love there, the love there means that that infant waking up at 2 a.m. is not an interruption. It's just part of life. And really loving, really loving people have a way of allowing their lives to be interrupted. Because they get, listen carefully, because they get that they have their plans. But they get that God's dream is very different. And maybe God's dream is that you talk to that person. Maybe God's dream is that you sit beside that person. Maybe God's dream is that you reach out to that person. Maybe God's dream, fill in the blank. And we start to see again, listen carefully, folks. We start to see there again, Emmanuel, God with us. Again and again and again. So to close the service today, the second gift, the second very simple gift to unwrap, allow the interruption and do the next right thing. That simple, folks. Take this story, find ways to live this story. Find ways to allow that interruption to welcome it into your life in a deeply loving way. A lot of that we tend to think of, and I want to like share this last part with you. A lot of that we tend to think of as being some big grandiose thing. I guarantee you're going to be interrupted many times today. Welcome it. Allow it into your life. Find a way to let it breathe something new there this Christmas season. What we're going to do now is now we're going to light the next Advent candle. So I'm going to come down off stage, and then I need a volunteer who's going to light the love candle, and I just want to go over Advent, and then we'll talk about what we have the opportunity to close the service with. I always love this idea, again, when we come back to it time and time again, that Advent, again, has four parts to it. And can we say all four together? Hope, 
love, joy, and peace. That that's what we're welcoming into our lives this Christmas season. That we're really trying to light a light for that very thing, allowing interruptibility there. What we're going to do is the band's going to come out. They're going to be playing some gentle music underneath. I'm going to ask somebody to come up, a volunteer. Do we have a volunteer who wants to raise your hand? Bingo. Way to go, girlfriend. Boom. You can go ahead and light it. There you go. Right? There you go. I just push it forward. You got to push away for it. Push this forward. <laughs> a little interruption here, folks. <laughs> Why don't you just take this and light it right off of that? There we go. It's okay. <laughs> Give a round of applause. Folks. That's it. Very good. You're good. You did that. And, and as you think, like as we close the service today, just, just think about Advent, right? Just, just really, you know, don't just let this, this service and this idea of Christmas like just skate on past so that the day after Christmas is a real downer. Like, like let it become like this Advent. Like one of the things I love about the word Advent, think of the word Advent, somebody complete the word, Advent. Sure. Ad, oh, that was really good. Let's say that one more time. You were so good at that. Advent. Adventure, Like this should be an adventure. This should be a place where we find hope, love, joy, and peace in our lives. Where we welcome that as an infant and we allow that infant to grow. Becoming the king of our lives. Emmanuel, God with us. So as the band is playing, you're welcome to come up and write a prayer. You can write it about love or an interruption. And then what we're doing is that I am going to go through these prayers. I go through them three times a week. And I say a prayer on each of your cards on your behalf. So you're welcome to come up as the band is playing underneath and write another prayer. This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live.